Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli for the special edition of the Sports Deli podcast dedicated to George Floyd and his family. This is Hootie Hoot. I am your co-host and producer of the Sports Deli podcast. And a little bit about me if you haven't joined us before. I am a life coach. I'm a professional basketball skills trainer. I coach at a low-income, first-generation high school. I coach college basketball for 23 years on both the men's and the women's side. And I'm a dad. I absolutely love sports, especially my Detroit teams. I love playing golf. I love my dog, Jordan. And I'm honored to be sharing space with you. And on this somewhat uh, historic day uh, in our country, very important day at the very least since the racial reckoning last summer, uh, the verdict of the Derek Chauvin case, uh, guilty on all three counts uh, today in Minneapolis. And when Judge Peter Cahill announced the verdict, and I heard all of the members of the jury uh, confirm their votes of confirmation regarding the charges against Derek Chauvin. It was um, mixed emotions, uh, to say the least. And as you'll hear a little bit later, this is a very um, emotional topic in terms of uh, systemic racism, implicit bias, Uh, the reforms that are still needed in this country, a new normal that is required that we must continue to demand, as Renee Montgomery, the co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, uh, said today in her comments in part uh, after the Derek Chauvin um, verdict was announced. And um, as you'll hear in part one of the two-part series with Chris John Johnson, which will be released after this special edition. Uh, Chris John Johnson, former UCLA Bruin, uh, won a national championship with the Bruins in 1995 as a freshman. And he and I got into a really intense conversation. Uh, He was understandably frustrated and angry uh, as we started talking about reparations uh, and the Black Lives Matter movement and institutional racism and implicit bias and a lot of the things that the black and brown community have had to deal with for years and are still uh, generationally behind as a result of uh, systemic racism, which is one of the main themes of this show in addition to sharing stories with you about um, our guest-driven show that uh, brings guests on to talk about the intersections of race and sports, um, mental health, leadership, equality. We want to be a part of solutions in any way that we can. There's a lot of layers to this, and we feel like we're a layer. And listen and learn. Maybe educate others. Maybe be a part of the mobilization on some level that helps to change the narratives, maybe even at home within our own families, which is where it all begins. And then we branch off or build up from there. And it reminds me uh, 
of sports, about how we learn in team sports at a young age that the some of the parts are greater than the parts themselves. And there's been a lot of examples in our country over the years uh, that are examples of the greater good and courage and people working together as Van Jones from CNN talked about today, that there was a lot of levels and a lot of different people and groups that came together to feel this collective vibration of relief and tears and excitement and hope for the future, not just for verdicts for police officers that break the law, but for any type of inequalities that exist in this country, gender inequalities, uh, any systemic inequalities, educational inequalities, generational wealth inequalities, disproportionate number of people in prison inequalities, people in jail for 20 and 30 years for far less crimes, nonviolent crimes, people on death row for things that they didn't even do, in large part because of the color of their skin. And going back to what Van Jones said, um, the courage of the little girl to film, as he put it in horror, as the life went out of George Floyd in 8 minutes and 46 seconds on May 25th, 2020. Um, the fact that the governor uh, got involved in the George Floyd uh, trial when it comes to um, the police officer involved in this case, uh, Derek Chauvin, and making sure that the best legal team possible uh, was involved in this case um, and talking about Keith Ellison, the lead attorney um, for the state. The fact that uh, we now have more police officers calling out police officers if they're doing things that are um, just not right whether they're legal or illegal. There's a lot of things in federal in the federal uh, system that are still not a law that should be like chokeholds. Federally, there's still laws. You know, uh, a duty to intervene, which Buffalo just passed a law that allows other police officers to intervene if another police officer is doing something like what was going on with George Floyd. And the case that was referenced was a police officer who a month before her pension in Buffalo, New York, was charged with basically, uh, for lack of a better phrase or term, or, or citing the actual terminology of the case, uh, she misbehaved against another police officer. When an, a police officer was basically doing the same thing to an individual who was uh, recently interviewed and talked about what happened and that this woman saved his life because she intervened um, she felt like she had a duty to intervene and basically 
um, move the police officer out of the way and save this guy's life because he was being choked. And finally, after 13 years, nearly 14 years, she's going to get her pension and that uh, verdict was overturned. So federally, we need um, a law that states that police officers have a duty, have a duty to intervene. And so this is what a lot of the criticism has cir circled around with regards to um, cases like this where police officers get off uh, in most instances. And this is a situation where um, not only did the Floyd family get $27 million, which changes their family's generational wealth, uh, obviously there's nothing we can do about the death of George Floyd at this point. But it's twofold. We get money for the Floyd family, and we get this verdict. So it's a win-win from that perspective. And that cannot be overstated enough how important both of those things are. That sends a message and a precedence legally and symbolically that this is going to be the new normal, as Renee Montgomery said, former WNBA player and co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. So after George Floyd, again, I just have so many things going through my head, but sort of chronologically, you know, the outpouring of white support that has been happening since this racial reckoning, which you'll hear KJ, Chris Johnson, talk about later when we had a pretty, again, raw conversation about this that escalated pretty quickly. Um, I said something that triggered him. And uh, I sort of felt bad about it, but it wasn't intentional. It wasn't malicious. And it was just a very uh, interesting escalation, which reminds me of how things escalate in the black and brown community when these kinds of issues are brought up or happen. And, you know, I can't imagine how exhausted people in the black and brown community are or how scared still. And we've talked about this before on this show. The anxiety levels, the uh, the mental health uh, issue that happens again and again when these types of things happen, um, not only in individuals' families that they might have to deal with, but seeing it over and over again on television when it happens in terms of being in the national spotlight, um, it's just got to be gut-wrenching to continue to pour salt in the wound and and have constant reminders about uh, their past. And so, you know, I think about my friends and my family and how they've been very open uh, to understanding white privilege and how complicit I have felt. Even though I'm from Detroit and I was integrated at fifth, in fifth grade going from a private Jewish day school to a public school and how that changed my life forever, how being involved in team sport how my youth coaches, in particular Richard Mulse, rest in peace, and Mr. Emanuel and Mr. Golding in particular helped change my life and my views on team sport and diversity and inclusion and appreciating difference. Um, and how we pivoted with our show 
after George Floyd's death from talking about sports to incorporating these intersections of race and sports and mental health and leadership and equality. And seeing my daughter, who obviously, along with myself and everybody, you know, who is white in white America, uh, in terms of white privilege, change her vibration. Seeing her out of nowhere one day um, after watching me with uh, this podcast uh, talk about so many things and basically living a different life. I wouldn't say reinventing myself, but um, not just talking about it one time and hoping it's going to get better. Uh, something that you have to actually say and live over and over again. You can't just go to one protest like I did with my daughter and as many differences over the years as, you know, her daughter, uh, her mom and I may have had about certain things. We get along phenomenally well. We're on the same page with uh, most things. And whether you're together as parents or apart, you're always going to have some differences. But uh, we went to the protest together to show our daughter that she's the most important thing in this world and that she is the future. That white America must be a voice for minorities, in particular African Americans, the black and brown community, not to mention the LGBTQ communities, the Latina and Latino communities, and Hispanics, um, the queer community, and any anything in between where there are injustices, Asians and Asian hate, Islamophobia. Um, and fighting white supremacy. And it's that collectiveness that um, is greater than the parts themselves. The synergistic um, feeling and uh, effect that when people come together, you feel as if one plus one equals four. And so that is a powerful thing. That my daughter with chalk one day draws what I thought was a picture of George Floyd and writes Black Lives Matter right outside of our house. And so those little things that you see at home uh, are going to directly and indirectly, and though there will be byproducts of that, that shift microaggressions and jokes uh, about minorities or whether it's about broken English um, or just jokes in general or uh, stereotypical comments that, again, are sort of microaggressions towards minorities, whether it's, oh, she's an ang angry black woman or, you know, he talks black. Um, you know, those types of things, if, if we can change those narratives at their very micro levels, and sort of build from there from our own individual experiences in home in terms of accepting people for who they are, their life experiences, their hardships, the inequalities that exist in this country, and, and all being a part of bridging these gaps, then we're going to see a new normal. So um, we've listened to a lot of guests on our show talk about these things. It's been very powerful, very moving. Uh, an unbelievable learning experience um, 
to have them, an honor to have them on our show, whether it's Doug Williams, who had to grow up in the South uh, and face incredible familial um, biases and racism, to even during his time in the NFL, uh, to today's guest, Chris John Johnson from KJ Live, former UCLA Bruin, and his experiences and his frustration and his anger, um, to Dr. Richard Lapchick, civil rights uh, activist and pioneer who's flown under the radar for his entire life, um, fighting for these injustices, who does reports that is another layer to show people of the inequalities that exist in sports and in leadership positions in sports. And um, so just learning and educating others in some small way has been enormously powerful. And uh, I know I speak for Dr. J and Coach K when I say that we've been very honored and proud to share space with so many incredible guests, um, to hear their plights and their stories, uh, their opportunities, their um, hardships, their journeys, their evolution, and how they continue to evolve and are hopeful that better things are on the horizons, that the narratives can change, that there is more of a collective voice. And so um, this impacts people, uh, not just here domestically, but globally. And so um, just a very interesting day, very interesting um, extension of uh, my thoughts in terms of not just uh, being glad and relieved and emotional and excited uh, about today's verdict, um, and I, I'm obviously not alone. Uh, there's more important people than me that have expressed their um, cautious optimism, optimism, um, relief, uh, whether it's the National Women's Soccer League, MLS, and uh, professional soccer uh, all over the globe, um, you know, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Patrick Mahomes, the NFL, the MLBPA, obviously across uh, many different sports and organizations and professional sports teams. Uh, Matt Barnes uh, said that you know he sends condolences to the Floyd family, and this is just the first step of starting to change a broken system. Um, so we still have a ton of work to do, obviously. Uh, as NASCAR's Bubba Wallace said, um, he says, continue to rest peacefully, George Floyd. And LeBron, uh, in capital letters, tweeted uh, accountability. A lot of celebrations all over the country instead of protests, which would have uh, been imminent most certainly if the verdict had gone in a different direction. One of the things that I would like to say, however, that I thought about was um, twofold, I guess. The first is that I hope we get to a point where even though we should be celebrating today um, in all corners of the world, 
because it's an important day, especially here in the United States, for a lot of reasons. But I hope we get to a point where this isn't necessary, that there's either going to be a conviction or there's going to be hell to pay, that um, the facts presents themselves, and if there was an injustice, no matter who the person is, what color of their skin, whatever their orientation is, that justice is served, whether it's a police officer or any other violent offender, and that the punishment fits the crime. And that is just uh, not something we're uh, able to say yet. We're not at that point yet. And I'm hoping that this is a, a huge step in bridging the gap so that we can say in future generations that we finally feel like there is equality in the judicial system and the educational system from uh, an economic standpoint, from small business loans to housing to health care uh, and all of the other disproportionate things that we've talked about and should continue to talk about and see changes in our legal system at the federal level, state levels, and, and locally. And we don't have to agree on everything, but we have to have more common ground and a more collective understanding that there is a huge disparity between black and white America. The other thing that's interesting is that Kamala Harris, our vice president of the United States, and Joe Biden, our president, both spoke out about this specific case. And no longer is it okay to stay silent and shut up and dribble. It is absolutely necessary, whether you think it's a political issue or it's Colin Kaepernick taking a knee or people now taking a knee uh, or fighting for social injustice or fighting for any inequality, that there are these intersections and these crossovers that should be demanded by everybody so that it doesn't take a death, another death, for the conversation to continue. So I applaud Joe Biden. I applaud Kamala Harris. And I don't think we can say anymore that they're overstepping their uh, bounds with speaking about something. Stick to being a president. Stick to being a vice president. Stick to being a basketball player. Man, those days are over. There shouldn't be ramifications for it. There should be new collective bargaining agreements that allow people to fight for social injustice and any inequality. Uh, the players' associations of all the major sports leagues should allow for it, should demand it, should support it, should be a part of it. And these sports organizations and leagues that are antiquated in their thinking and behind and reactionary instead of being forward-thinking and how we handle these situations because sports is the leader oftentimes, as is the entertainment business and, and tech, in how society follows. And the United States is certainly the leader in how the rest of the world often follows when it comes to specific narratives uh, like this, like racism. So we all must be a collective front to show the world that we are not only the leader of the free world, but that we are the leader of forward thinking 
and liberties and justice for all. But we have to change laws. We all have to mobilize. We all have to start at home and change the way that education is taught over time so that the real history is taught and, you know, sort of work our way from there. But no longer will we ever accept or should ever accept that it's unacceptable for a president or vice president or athlete to speak out just because they are a politician or just because they are an athlete or a teacher. Either you're going to be on the right side of history, even if you don't agree with their comments. If you're standing up for any injustice or any inequality, then that is the right thing to do no matter what entity we're talking about, whatever situation we're talking about, it is always appropriate. It is always appropriate. It's just great to see protesting, to speaking out, to having more conversations with people to learn more about white privilege and systemic racism, to seeing the NBA and the WNBA get involved, seeing the uh, election results and a record number of people coming out to vote, seeing the state of Georgia completely um, turned upside down as a result of 180 women from the WNBA and their fight against social injustice and, and Kelly Leffler, former co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. And uh, Clubhouse, a new uh, app that has really helped talk about a lot of these issues that I've learned a lot from. Two laws changing, uh, even though, again, as we talked about, it's not completely at the level that we would like. Um, we have seen some changes in Minneapolis with regards to chokeholds, in Buffalo as it relates to uh, a duty to intervene, and we just have to build on that and continue to educate, listen, learn, be a part of the mobilization, continue to talk about white privilege, have uncomfortable conversations with people that don't look like us, and be a part of the solutions at every level, whether that's in our own homes, whether that is uh, in a legal sense, locally, with our own municipalities where we live, at the state level and at the federal level. And there has been other things that we've also had to deal with, you know, since George Floyd, whether it's Jacob Blake or more recently Dante Wright. Um, and I'm sure, unfortunately, there's going to be other situations that are going to happen. And until we either clean house or... Um, completely overhaul the system, especially in terms of de-escalation and bringing in the right people into certain situations um, to help better handle things so that we don't allow things to escalate and repeat themselves in terms of um, using deadly force in situations where it's not required. Um, you know, we have to continue to be a united front and work in solidarity together no matter what walk of life we come from 
and be a voice for each other, whether it's Asian hate or the Black Lives Matter movement or Islamophobia or anti-Semitism. There's so many common threads with all of these things. Derek Chauvin, the police officer who murdered George Floyd, was found guilty of all three charges and faces up to 40 years in prison. And the sentencing will take place in eight weeks from today, which will be approximately June 20th, 2021. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of the Sports Deli. Remember, your voice matters when fighting systemic racism. Read a book, acknowledge your white privilege, watch a movie about institutional racism, call your local or state representatives, and or have a conversation with someone that doesn't look like you. We have to change the economic, educational, police, housing, prison, and voting suppression narratives that currently need to be changed in this country. And the only way to do that is to listen and learn and then help be a part of the mobilization and change that we want to see. The Sports Deli is sponsored by Sport RX. Sport RX is the leader in sports prescription eyewear. You can find them online at sportrx.com. And don't forget to enter the code DELI10 at checkout for your special 10% discount. We also want to give props to PSK Collective. Be inspired in PSK, where their clothing promotes inclusivity, empowerment, and equality by supporting female athletes through the Women's Sports Foundation. You can find them online at pskcollective.com or at walmart.com. We also want to thank citylokes.com, where you can get your own personalized hats and phone cases, tees, accessories, and much, much more. I ordered two hats, and they're amazing. Uh, One of them says the Sports Deli, and it has a California license plate, and the other one has a Michigan license plate and says, Speak Up and Dribble, Black Lives Matter. So check them out at citylokes.com, and don't forget to enter the code the sports deli at checkout for your special 10% discount. And we're so excited to finally be supporting Moolah Kicks. They're dropping in May of 2021. They are the first female only brand basketball shoe, and you can find them online at Moolah, Moolah's M O O L A H, kicks like shoes, K I C K S, plural moolahkicks.com again much thanks to natty white the founder of moolah kicks you can always send us an email to thesportsdeli at gmail.com and you can also dm us on instagram at mike hootner or on twitter at michael hootner for dr j and coach k i am hootie hoot till next time please mask up still remember black lives matter peace